Welcome, Bridge Builders, to the podcast today. Um, yeah, we're excited to be here. First yeah. off, just wanted to say like a quick apology that it's been so long <laughs> since we've recorded an episode. Um, yeah. Life has gotten busy for both of us mm-hmm. in the past little bit, so... January tends to do that for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Maybe that's why New Year's resolutions fall off so quick because people are just like yeah. busy with their lives and they're like, man, I can't, <laughs> I can't go to the gym every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, anyway, so, but we're happy to be here. We're happy to record today and we're happy to you guys tuning in and listening to us. So um, today we're going to be talking about missions in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you're not a member of the church. This, these are the uh, people with the little black name tags on their chests, yeah. you know, walking around usually in a shirt and tie, suit and tie, or a dress or a skirt. <laughs> Those listening abroad, I've often heard that missionaries look like the FBI. Yeah, or CIA or something <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the those are who we're talking about today. So, um, me and Garrett both served as missionaries. Garrett, you were in Finland? That's right. The whole country of Finland? Was there a certain... Yeah, okay. the whole country. Yeah, just one mission. Okay, cool. Um, and then I was in a place called Cape Verde, which is 10 islands off the West coast of Africa. But yeah. You spoke Portuguese, right? I did. Yeah. Portuguese and a Creole version of Portuguese. So. Wow. Kind of interesting, unique. Yeah. That's my one <laughs> cool thing about me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nonsense. <Yeah>. Mitch. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> um, yeah. So we did want to throw kind of one, a couple of disclaimers in this episode. Um, first off. If you're a prospective missionary, like you're a member of the church, probably late teens, early 20s, somewhere in there, and you're thinking about serving a mission, um, this episode in some ways may open your eyes to some aspects of missions that people don't always talk about. Um, some of the tougher parts of it, the negative parts. But we also want to touch on the some of the good things as well that we've learned. Yeah. And no, yeah, this is not meant to dissuade anybody from going on a mission. Um you know, if anything, you'll just be going into a mission with more, I don't know, realistic expectations, perhaps sure. if we can say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, because I don't know, we were talking before this and we feel like there's this culture about missionaries that like missions are awesome. It's the best two years. Mm-hmm. There's even a movie with that title in the church. It's Have a good that? movie. <laughs> I love that good. movie. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, and like, it's expected to be awesome. And if you didn't have a good experience, well, Maybe there's, yeah, maybe you did something wrong or you didn't live up to your potential or something like right. that. That's just how we interpret it. Mm-hmm. Right. A little bit more. Um, like even though trials do come to people when they're on their missions, just like anybody else, um, you know, it, it, it almost seems like on a mission, it's like faith is the power to overcome those trials to a, a larger degree mm-hmm. and finding people who are ready for the gospel that all of that is just there's a bit more pressure on your ability to have faith and pray always and right. you know follow the spirit and stuff like that definitely there's also <clears throat> since kind of taking a step away from the church personally i've heard a little bit more that missions are one of the more kind of cult like or high demand mm-hmm. religion parts of um the church which when i look at it, i'm like oh yeah it is very you are kind of controlled in a lot of ways you're controlled on what you do with your time and who you talk to, you have always have to be with someone else specifically. So mm-hmm. there's, there's kind of like those sides of missions that we don't always talk about. And so we wanted to express some of those things today. We're not going to be completely negative in this episode. No, we do want to share some of those positive things that we've learned and felt like we, we learned personally from our missions, but 
Um, want to throw that out there. There's one other disclaimer that we, I swear we wanted to, but I didn't write it down. Dan. Oh no, we forgot a <laughs> well, disclaimer. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. So anyways, um, <clears throat> let's start with kind of this culture. We, we called this the, uh, the members culture of missionary expectations. Yeah. Um, and the, there's some things that I've dealt with in my personal life in this aspect that I felt like aren't great. Oh, I remember our disclaimer. It's like, why are we talking about this? How does this relate to bridge building? <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what, um, I think this, we want to relate this to bridge building with people who feel like they don't fit the mold when it comes to their mission. Yeah. This right. episode is meant to be a bridge building episode to those individuals. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. So like this episode doesn't seem to be more like, ex-Mormons and Mormons kind of like coming together more. It's more about missions. Uh, a lot of people both in and out of the church have been on missions, mm-hmm. um, uh, meaning ex-members and members and, you know, how can we have a more accurate and more validating conversation surrounding missions right. rather than just writing people off. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. Judging them for something that happened or whether in their control or out of their control. Right. Yeah. So yeah, going into this, uh, kind of the members culture of expectations for missionaries, um, speaking from personal experience, there's, well, first off, for those who maybe don't know if any non-members are listening, um, of the church, there's men have a higher expectation to serve a mission than women. That's, um, yeah, for men it's a priesthood responsibility. Right. For women it's encouraged, but not but responsibility. Not yeah. I guess. yeah. And there's different words I've heard before and terms and everyone kind of has their own interpretation. But I think I like what you said, responsibility, right? Priesthood <laughs> responsibility. Yeah, I know I know there's been some harsher language used recently. Right. Um have you heard I don't really I haven't really kept touch on that, like what are the, what they're saying. I know it's more like it's a bit more than responsibility. It's like you have already committed to it previously when you were baptized or something like that. Right. I'm in a, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm currently in a Institute class and we kind of brought this up the other week or two ago. And some of the people in the class were kind of comparing it to, if you don't go on a mission as a man, it's kind of like turning down a calling. Hmm. And okay. I was like, that's a, I think that's actually kind of a fair comparison, huh. but in some ways, but turning down a calling is not seen as like something that people normally do. Yeah. So like, I was going to say, like, you I could feel still like, do it. Yeah. But like people would be like, uh, what, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so I don't know, but there are some positive ways that the church has changed recently. Like, have you heard about the service missions? Oh yeah. Like so, some individuals can elect to do that. Right. Yeah. Instead of like a proselyting, like going out and teaching people mission, yeah. like you're a service missionary where as far as I'm aware, like you can like stay in your hometown, like sleep in your own bed kind of thing. Hmm. You don't necessarily have like a companion with you 24 seven. Yeah. Um, and you do some service, I think generally for the church, okay. whether it's working at welfare square or I think like at the Institute, there's a, service missionary just working behind the desk kind of like oh yeah clerical duties in that sense so there are some of those options and um i still think there's probably this kind of like stigma with that like oh you were just a service missionary you know like that's not as valid as like going out Mm, yeah and teaching people and 
Africa, <laughs> right? Or whatever. <laughs> right. So I don't know, but that is like a positive, positive change. That I think, um, over time will probably be seen more as equal. Yeah. And I, I think other positive changes the church has made, you know, for example, when I was on a mission, I think when you were on a mission as well, you're only allowed to call home twice a year. Yeah. And video was only a twice a year option during those designated times, Christmas and Mother's Day, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yep. And now it's like you can FaceTime every week. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's huge. I think I think those things that, you know, th- there's a few things that really made missions even harder in the past. Uh, you know, homesickness is a big one. Mm-hmm. Totally. Young people leaving, you know. First time being away from home, uh, never being able to really talk to anybody about it. You're kind of on your own. Um, I think that was a positive thing. Um, I know dressing standards were slightly relaxed a bit mm-hmm. as well. Um, so less stigma around that. Like you have to be right. like this black suit, kind of white shirt kind of person. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I was in hot Africa, right? So yeah. we, I wore like short white sleeve shirts, which are yeah. super tacky, by the way. Like <laughs> they just are not good looking on people, I swear. But <laughs> but it was it was nice to not have to wear like long sleeves, where I think in the past, like at least like a long sleeve white shirt was kind of more of like the standard. Okay. Um, But I think suits are still like, I didn't even bring a suit on my mission. Cause it said it was optional, but then I'm like in the MTC and they're like, you don't have a suit. I'm like, yeah, it says it's optional. So I don't have a suit. <laughs> like, and so I had to like borrow one from someone to go uh, to like some meeting to go time. to the temple or something. No, not uh, the temple, but something else. I can't remember, but I honestly wish that that had been more clear to me when I went on my mission, because I think there was a, uh, an expectation that you're supposed to wear a suit all the time Oh yeah, on my mission. And it was cold, so it wasn't really that big of a deal. But the big part that was a problem was like, if you were in one of those way out there areas, like I was, <laughs> and you were supposed to bike or hike through oh, the snow sure, and yeah. stuff, you know, and it was like, like, I wish I would have been able, like they would have given us clearance to be like, okay, here, here, wear some more athletic <laughs> yeah. clothing, you know, long underwear, you know, like yeah. snow pants, maybe <laughs> sure. stuff like that. Yeah. But instead it's like, Oh, we're just going to wear it, wear a suit and I'll just sew it up and repair it every night. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Man, we really served in completely different climates. <laughs> different, <didn't> we? <laughs> right. Yeah. Very different climates. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah. So, we're kind of going off on a little tangent here from yeah, this, sorry, but no, you're good. Um, there's this expectation for men to, to go on missions, right? I think we can go back to that a little bit. Um, yeah. They changed the age of which missionaries can serve because there used to be a minimum. Like you have to be at least uh, for women. It was 21. Yeah. Right. And, and they then made, 19 for men, right? Yeah. 19 for men. It changed in 2014, no, 2020, 2012, 2012. Actually. I was a senior yeah. in high school. So I was the first right. people my age were the first group to be like, be able to go. Well, we were the first group getting our mission calls. The men, at least like the spring of your senior year of high school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not, <laughs> I left on my mission when I was 22. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can serve from like age 18 to like 25 or 26, mm-hmm. I think is the, for men. But I think for women, there's no maximum age. Is that right? I think so. Like we had a sister huh. in my mission who was in her thirties. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think women can serve multiple missions. Oh, 
which I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I always knew that you could serve like in as a senior couple or whatever. Right. No, like a single woman can serve more than one mission, I think. Hmm. Unless they changed that. But I think at the time, at least in like 2015, 2016, that was the case, which I was like, hmm, I don't cool. Know. Like, anyway, I wow. have different views on it now, I guess. But um, <laughs> we don't need to get into that today. <laughs> um, yeah. So for myself, like speaking personally, like all my friends, for the most part, left on their missions, like right out of high school. If not, like, I think the latest one of my close friends left was the winter after we graduated. So six months, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And then there's me who I wasn't feeling like worthy enough to go on a mission in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, and everybody was asking me about it. Like people in the ward, my friends, parents, my <laughs> girls, I would go on dates with be like, Oh, why aren't you on a mission right now? It's like, how honest do you want me to be kind of thing? You know? Yeah. And, do you really want to know? <laughs> right. Um, I definitely felt like a lot of pressure in that sense. And for a while I was like, oh, I'm, I doubt I'm going to go kind of thing. Um, I was also, I'm the oldest in my family kind of felt like some pressure to set a standard at least and for my siblings and stuff like that. Both of my parents serve missions. So we're kind of like a missionary family in some ways, but also my parents weren't always like, you need to go, you know, like, mm-hmm. they still gave me that choice, but um they really wanted me to go at the same time. You know, you could right. tell that. So, um, leaving late. Yeah. That was tough in some ways. Cause I just was feeling like judged. I'm like, I'm not the same as other people here. Like if I don't ever go, like how will I fit in kind mm-hmm. of thing? And that was tough for a while. So like I did eventually go and then quote unquote, everything's great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was some aspect that, I've felt very passionately about for several years, not just recently, I guess. Um, Right. Like passionate about the the fact that people who are older, who go on a mission, that there's a lot of stigma around that. There's a lot of judgment around that. Yeah. I was kind of called jokingly called grandpa on the mission by a lot of. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I took it. Like I took it, well. it. Yeah, I nice, it kind of nice, thing. Nice. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gramps, you know, and it kind of went to my head too. And in some ways I was like, oh, I'm like 22 like the sage wisdom. Right. Person yeah. Like I've already done some college, you know, like all this stuff. <laughs> I've worked a full time job for a couple of years. And then I remember I had one companion who was four years younger than me. Right. So he's like freshly 18, like straight out of high school. And he's like giving me life advice on like how to date girls and stuff. I'm just like, bro, like (laughs) (laughs) anyway, so it did get in my head a little bit and I had to kind of humble myself in some ways because it's like, oh, like I'm not better than these other kids out here. You know, we're all just trying to do what we're expected to do kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, another one that kind of hits close to home is coming home early. Mm -hmm. Um, I have someone very close to me that, went on a mission, but came home only after two or three months Yeah, kind of out in the field. Um, and she has expressed in reading through journals and stuff has been, um, seen a lot of heartache, pain, negative aspects, a lot of pressure from like mission leader to like stay out there. Yeah. Kind of no matter what, even though she wasn't in a good space mentally and it was detrimental to her. So, um, and then when you come home early from a mission, people are kind of like, oh, you know, like what happened? What happened? Yeah. There's, did they sin? Did yeah. they, 
Did they not repent before they left? Did they not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, did they? I feel like those are the first two assumptions, probably. I think it, so. But I, I think mean, it's getting a little bit better now that better. mental health is a little bit more yeah, like yeah. Less stigmatized in general. Because I think it used to be like if you, you know, why else would you leave early apart from those reasons? Mm. And then uh, obviously, I think most of the cases were were not those. Right. Most of the cases were mental health related. Hundred percent. And I think that there was a lot of just put your trust in God. You know, have faith. Uh, you know, keep just keep pushing through it, you know, and then your mental health will improve, you know, right. which I don't think is the right approach. Yeah. <laughs> As a mental health professional. A, right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's something to be said for sticking with something and trying. Right. But like, I, I don't think there's anybody who has went home early. That's like, Oh yeah, I didn't try. I just went home. Totally. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, I think most of the people I've met who went home early, it was one of the hardest things they ever did, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So I think to be fair to those individuals who do leave early, it's, it, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that the narrative narrative has changed a little bit with mental health. They seem to have providers even nowadays that I've heard of, like in, in my work as a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. Now I've met some of my clients who have gone on missions and, uh, left early and things like that. And they did describe to me like there, there was a mission doctor or there were like mission counselors and stuff. And I didn't have any of that, you know, sure. yeah. <laughs> you know? it's definitely um, something I've also heard. And this is just through people's stories, you know, like through podcasts and stuff, but some of those mental health professionals on the mission are not the best. Well, yeah, there's like a conflict <laughs> of interest, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, they're meant to push people to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's the way therapy or counseling should be. No, like that's unethical in my opinion. So right. if that's happening, I'm not saying it ha- it's happening with all yeah. uh, counselors and missions and stuff, but if that's happening, that's something needs to change there. Right. Yeah. Like, like we put uh, to a missionary coming home early is like one of the worst things that can happen to you. You know yeah. what I mean? No matter the reason I got a terrible foot infection on my mission. I couldn't even walk because there's this, wow, I've got this abscess on the bottom of my foot. Right. Uh-huh. And I had to get like a little procedure done without anesthesia. That kind of sucked. <laughs> They're like cutting into my foot. My comp wow. was a champ though. And just like held my hand the whole time. He's just like, you got this bro. And he's like, thanks. Like, Anyway. Oh man, did they give you lidocaine or something? Uh, they just sprayed like, some like benzocaine on it, but that are didn't you serious? Do anything. Oh, yeah. So man. anyway, crazy story. Um, got some good pictures from it anyway, but, Ow. uh, I remember like I was about a year into my mission when that happened. I was halfway done of my two year service. And I was just like, cause the mission nurse was like, this is serious elder. Like you could go home. And she put that in my head. I was like, I could go home. Like if I go home, would I come back? Like, I'm already 23. Like I want to get on with my life, you know? Like, yeah. And here I am thinking this and I had a, I had a family member before I left on my mission say like, don't come home early to me. Wow. And as like a threat, I perceived it that way. I don't think it was intended that way by any means, but even, you know, something as dumb as having an abscess, like, and thinking about coming home early with that, I was just like, I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to come home because will I come back out? I don't know. Like, what would the stigma be, et cetera? Like there's all these things were going through my head at the time. And I think it was valid, you know, like, yeah. So yeah. Coming home early. Like if you came home early from a mission, I just want to tell you right now that you are 
you have worth, right? Yeah. And absolutely. You're not a bad person, no matter the reason. You're even not if weak, you did it. You're not a failure. Right. Even if you did a sin on the mission, right, and came home early because of that, yeah. you're not a failure. You're not a bad person. No, if like anything, that. the fact that you went <clears throat> speaks highly of you. Right. I think. <laughs> I think so as well. Um, but we'll also get to this about people not going at all, right? Like that. Yeah. There's also yeah. a stigma kind of around that. So good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, coming home early, there is this these expectations that we put on missionaries as members. And I think one thing I did want to say with this is like, check yourself. If you're a member of the church listening to this, and if you have like kind of these judgments, like, and they're just popping up out of nowhere, like I don't blame you. Like they just, it's part of the culture kind of thing. Um, but like check yourself and like recognize it. And I would encourage people if they see others, kind of like with these negative aspects, these negative cultural things like, Oh, well he, he came home early and it's like, Mm -hmm. why'd you say it like that? You know, like, (laughs) yeah. Would you be comfortable like calling someone out and like helping to change his culture? Because I don't know. I feel like something needs to be done about it. Yeah. Like if anything, you can just change the narrative to say they went on a mission. And, And if there's any more asked, well, they went on a mission for this long. Yeah. And that's all that needs to be said. Right. And cause it doesn't just cause you went home early. doesn't take away the fact that you were there yeah. doing a mission. hundred percent. You know? Yeah. I'm trying to think like, I don't think if you go on a mission, you give a farewell address, a farewell talk like, Hey, I'm going on a mission. Here's what I've learned about God, uh, Jesus and the gospel and stuff beforehand. But then you also give a homecoming talk. Right. And like you, you were kind of prayed around your whole stake. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. When I got home, I, my situation was kind of strange because I left from, uh, my home ward in Virginia. And while I was gone, my family had moved to Pennsylvania. And so I came home to a ward and a stake that I didn't know anybody in, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, they still wanted me to kind of travel around a little bit. So I went and spoke at a few wards branches and stuff. Um, and I mean, for the most part, I enjoyed that sort of because, you know, I felt like I was lifting people up to try to inspire them. But yeah. at the same time, I personally didn't come home with like, you know, this picture perfect um, sort of perspective that a lot of members expect missionaries to come home with. Right. Where it's like right. they're they're so strong. They're so faithful. They did you know, they moved mountains on their missions and talk, talk about the miracles, you know, yeah. speaking your, speaking your language, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, share your testimony in your native language. Yeah. Right? That's that, kind of a weird that stuff. thing that we do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I did that, but you know, it was, it was also difficult because I didn't feel the permission to tell anybody, you know, how uh, all the hard stuff that I went through and, the questions I had, you know, that I came home with and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I just had to, even to my family, man, like even, even with my parents, um, eventually I came forward and, you know, talked about some of the concerns and the things that I was, was on my mind coming home. But, you know, especially for the first several months, it was just like this. Yeah. I need to, I, I just need to kind of pretend yeah. Pretend that I did everything perfectly on my mission. Pretend that I was super strong. Pretend that my testimony was amazing uh, because that was the expectation that I came home to, you know, and if you didn't live up to that, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what would happen, but I think there would be a lot of, uh, you know, that stigma and judgment that people, you know, 
receive when they come home from their mission. They're probably mm-hmm. similar. Yeah, very much so. It's like kind of like we said earlier, the mission is supposed to be awesome. And if yeah, it wasn't for you, like, sorry, like, you know, kind of like it's just like this. Sorry, not sorry kind of thing. And yeah. people just kind of shrug it off. Either you're the problem, like maybe you did something wrong. That's why your mission wasn't great. Or. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. That you I kind of resonate with like what you said, like you can talk about the hard times, but not in like specifics in right. some ways. Right. Or if you do talk about a hard time, there's always a good ending to it. Yeah. Or if it, if it's hard, right, it has to be the right kind of hard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it has to be like, oh, well, we weren't getting baptisms, but then I had a lot of faith and we found somebody, you know, or it was really, really hard. And then I just prayed and I read my scriptures and and then I could speak the language really well. And then boom. Right. Yeah. It has to be kind of like a, you know, a miracle that takes place to get rid of the heart. Like a three act play kind of thing. (laughs) That's a great (laughs) doing Shakespeare. Yeah. Right. Instead, you know, like if, if it was like, Oh yeah, maybe some of the things that my leaders were saying were, you know, harmful or Mm -hmm. that's not an acceptable challenge to have. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of another example, but that's for me, that was probably the biggest concern I had. Yeah. Um, Some issues with leaders. Yeah. Issues with leaders um, and being in a leadership position eventually myself and having to reiterate uh, the leader's sort of narrative yeah. and enforce it. You know, that was uh, right. uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, mission presidents, you know, we could talk about them for a long time, too. Like oh, yeah. they're come from all different backgrounds, walks of life. They're very different people. Yeah. Even though you're in the same area, like I had one mission president for six months and another one for a year and a half. And my first one was very strict and letter of the law kind of guy. And it was, it was difficult um, at times. Um, but then my second mission president, like who was an army general in Brazil. Wow. Yeah. Like who we thought would be like even more strict in so many ways was just like the most loving, kind guy. Like, wow. He definitely had some expectations for us and stuff, you know, cause he was getting expectations put upon him from his leaders. I'm sure. Uh-huh. But overall, yeah, I loved my second mission president for sure. Um, so yeah, like there's, there's something about missions that is just so high demand. Oh yeah. You know, and we, we're soldiers. <clears throat> that was something that was in my mission. Like, you know, we're the soldiers of the, of the Lord, of the savior and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we're on the war. front line. We're on the front lines. Right. The spiritual front line. Yeah. You brought up the, uh, the movie. Oh, yeah. It's quite on the Western front. Right. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting parallel. This might be an extreme <laughs> parallel here, but if you've watched that movie, it's new on Netflix, all quite on the Western front. It's, based on a book that was written about world war one. It was written by a soldier, right? In world war one. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was a German soldier that okay. wrote it. Interesting. That's so. fascinating. Um, yeah. So at the beginning of this movie and probably the book, I haven't read the book, but yeah. it, you know, it's, there's almost this vibe from, you know, it, it kind of follows these German soldiers, these young high school kids, I guess that are, you know, just kids, you know, some of them um, were lying about their age too. They're yeah. Like, yeah. Are you 18? They would ask him, they're like, um, <laughs> yeah, almost. 
Like, oh, good enough. Like, oh, yeah. They're like, don't say that you're 16 to this guy kind of thing. And then, like, they would, like, put him through and stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, they had, like, this really idealized view of the war, I think, that was fed to them in their schooling, their education, maybe the propaganda that was going around. Um, and so they're, they're just like, you know, there's this scene where they're like singing this song, like triumphantly as they're marching into battle, you know, and they finally get to the front and then it's like, Oh, (laughs) you know, and I think it's sort of similar or it can be when you're, you know, you're in the MTC and you're just like, you know, all these uplifting talks and you're singing songs, just, you know, praise to the moon, you know, and, uh, that kind of stuff. And then you go on your mission and then it's like, okay, yeah. All right. But, you know, at least you were pumped up enough where you're kind of like, all right, let's let's do this. You yeah, know? For like sure. that's how I felt. It was like, this is definitely hard, but I'm going to remember those times when I was just singing the MTC and, mm-hmm. you know, like I've got a duty to do out here. Yeah. I want yeah. to live up to that. I want to show God. I want to show right myself. I want to show my family, whoever that I can do this kind of thing. Yeah. Which I think there's something to be said about that. But when you take it to the extreme. Yeah. And when you put that pressure on other people as well, like that's where that's where the toxicity comes in. Yeah. <laughs> you <could> say that. <laughs> right. So. Right. Um, yeah. So as far as the mission experience, maybe we can get into that a little bit more. But we did want to not just be critical in the sense that we do want to share some things right, that we felt like pauses. we learned from our missions. And yeah, absolutely. Some things that missions like teach in general. Um, for me personally, I felt like a good worth. I felt like I had a good worth ethic going into the mission, uh-huh. but I feel like that was compounded after yeah. and during the mission kind of thing. Um, I was saying like my freshman year of college, I failed two classes. You know, I was not doing great. I, a couple of years later, go on my mission after working in some stuff. So I don't completely attribute it to the mission, but I was able to come home and be like, no, like I literally did like one of the hardest things I've ever done. Just barely like I can sit down for an hour and study psychology or something, you know? So, yeah. And I think kind of going along with that, there's for one of the pauses for me is that just learning that you can do something extremely hard Mm -hmm. and then doing it. And then everything else after that is, you know, comparatively easy. (laughs) Yeah. Comparatively easy. Absolutely. Just kind of pales in comparison. Yeah. And so you build this resilience uh, on your mission. I think that's invaluable Mm -hmm. Uh, for me. That's one of the biggest takeaways. Um, Another one for me is learning to just care about other people more than yourself, uh, putting other people first. Um, You know, like my companions, to me, that was one of the highlights of my mission was just getting to know my companions and serving them and just having their back and just being there for them. Because I, I think that companions can make and break the yeah, mission totally. in a lot of ways. Totally. Um, like if you've got a really, you know, understanding, friendly companion, that might just keep somebody out a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, I agree. Um, getting to know other people and a other culture. I think for me growing up in Utah, this was huge because I grew up in Mormonism and Mormonism was my life. Like, yeah, there were some people who weren't members of the church around me, but they were definitely in the minority. Right. And so, and here in Utah, like everybody's pretty much of European descent, white individuals for the most part. Um, so for me going to Africa and being around black people, like 24 seven mm-hmm. was incredibly eye opening. Yeah. Um, and just getting to know another language, another culture, these people that I absolutely love who have close to nothing, but are so happy and just joyous and 
yeah, it really gave me a good perspective on things coming home. It's like, do I need like this huge house? Like, no, like, right. And like, there's more to life than maybe uh, material aspirations. For sure. Yeah. Um, people in Africa oftentimes are some of the happiest people in the world. Right. I mean, if they're, I think it, to an extent, you definitely need your basic needs met for right, sure. Right. Like that. Was it Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah, or something yeah. like that? I think that plays a big role. Um, cause I definitely did see some people in extreme poverty and they, they were, and they were having a hard time, a really tough time, but yeah. Um, if the basics are met then they can, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, and just, yeah, being out there and it's like, okay, all of a sudden I'm the minority. Like, how does it feel to be in a minority? Yeah. And that was, um, eye opening to me and helped me have a lot more empathy for minorities here in the United States. Yeah. So, yeah, that was something that I, I personally learned. I do like that on missions, the church, like, you know, th- I think the church very well could have just said, okay, just don't learn another language. Don't bother. Just speak English. You know, yeah. they'll catch on, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, I, I really do respect that the church goes above and beyond. Uh, it seems to teach quality language skills and totally uh, cultural awareness to some degree so that you're, when you go out there, you're, you're, you're trying to meet people uh, in a way where it, it's easier for them than for you. Obviously. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned caring about like your companion and stuff. I felt like I just grew so much love for the people that I just was teaching Yeah, the members of the church over there. Yeah. Um, the native people of Cape Verde and stuff. And I had the opportunity to go back nine months ago or so. And that was just awesome. Like to see people again and relive that experience and, be there not as a missionary that was great <laughs> <laughs> i could go to the store by myself and right it's just like stuff like that so um and then yeah like we kind of touched on this before but like doing hard things and being able to get through it like there's something to be said about that for sure yeah um but like i said you take it to the extreme and that's that's not healthy yeah there's supposed to be a balance in life and i, I think <clears throat> you know th- th- this is also where people who leave early you know have a hard time where it's like i i did try you yeah. know I, I did. I tried my best, in fact, you right. know, and I still couldn't do it. And that's that's OK. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just because you didn't make it all the way through doesn't mean you didn't grow from it. For sure. You know. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So good aspects from the mission. Learning another language. I feel like that's been helpful. Do you speak Finnish much? Not anymore. Yeah. No, unfortunately. There's not it's, many Finns here. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about me and foreign languages. Like, uh, you know, my, my wife is, uh, she grew up born and raised in Sweden. And so when we started dating, I tried to learn Swedish. Um, and when I started learning Swedish, my Finnish just kind of like escaped out the back door sure. at the same time. <laughs> like it was trying to make room for yeah. the new language. Yeah. So I know it's possible to learn many languages, but for me, it just isn't. For sure. You know? yeah. um, so I, I kind of feel like that's what happened where, uh, you know, n- now I'm more proficient in Swedish, but Finnish is just hardly even there. Gotcha. Yeah. Are they similar enough? Like, no, completely different. <laughs> totally. Different. They're neighboring countries, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, they're not similar. No, no. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually asked my mission president. I requested to, uh, to get permission to learn Swedish as well as finish. And he said, no, mm-hmm. the reason why I asked was because, I mean, one, I was serving with a few Swedish companions and then two, we were in some areas where they were speaking Swedish in some areas. Gotcha. Um, 
but yeah, uh, like he had assigned just very specific people for that. And I wanted to be one of them, but he sure. said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I still speak Portuguese every so often. Actually, cool. I have a friend now that I'm playing table tennis with, like once a week at least. Cool. He's from nice. Brazil, so. So you've kept up with it? Yeah, I've been able to keep up with it a fair amount. Like, it's rusty for sure, but um, <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, that's cool. Um, I think we forgot to touch a little bit on kind of going back to the members culture, uh, people not going at all. Like we've kind of like hinted at it, but like yeah. there's this, like I have someone close to me that never served a mission. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's expressed, you know, it's hard to date people because he never left. It's hard to feel welcome in the ward because he didn't serve a mission and he's also not holding the Melchizedek priesthood either, which when everybody else is around you, like that same level and you're not like, you can be seen less than sure in some ways. So yeah, if you never left on a mission, especially as a guy, I think that's the kind of the big thing too. Like, um, as we talked about, is this expectation that guys need to go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I know that like my own dad, like he, he, uh, tells like I have four sisters and he tells each of them, he's like, make sure they're a return missionary and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I'm sure that's pretty common. Definitely. Um, which is interesting. Like young women's and stuff too. For the, like, right. Go for the return missionary, mm-hmm. which, you know, uh, yeah, that, that definitely would make it hard for anybody who doesn't go on a mission and who's just a great priesthood holder and who's just, you know, on the path. Right. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, you know, there's so many reasons why somebody wouldn't go. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it is a shame that members don't view uh, people who decide to stay as you know, they don't respect that as a, a correct decision for them. Sure. Uh, or as a decision that uh, that they might have found to be the right decision for them, I guess. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. And that, that's just too bad um, because that that will stay with them and be all sorts of shame. Like you're not good enough. Um I, I do feel like it kind of pushes people out to some degree, you know, mm-hmm. like your friend, you know, it, it's hard for him to participate in church, stuff like that. He feels judged. Yeah. Um, um, and so, you know, how long can he withstand that before, you know, he starts to wonder like, am I, do people even want me here? Right. You know, not maybe him <clears throat> specifically, but just people in general, you know, I feel like that, that kind of goes through their minds where it's like, well, these people obviously don't want me here. They don't value me. Mm-hmm. So why should I be here? Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. It's unfortunate that we put such high expectations on people that they, when they feel like they don't live up to it, it's seen as less than Yeah, that's like you're worthy as a human being, you know what I mean? Yeah. No matter what. So yeah. Um, the mission experience as well, like has some really, really tough aspects about it. You know, um, something that just came to mind that I didn't really think about before, like being LGBTQ and on a mission. Yeah. I wonder how that would feel. I'm not personally yeah. LGBTQ. So, right. Um, but there is a guy from my mission that has come out as gay uh-huh. since I haven't been in super close contact with him. Um, he also yeah. lives in a different country, so, <laughs> but mm-hmm. he, <clears throat> I can definitely tell like the mission probably wasn't great for him, you know? Yeah. And yeah, there's, 
thinking back like homophobic jokes that were like said like by other missionaries and stuff like that. So to anyone who was closeted at that time, that would be incredibly painful, I could imagine. Right. And, and also, you know, maybe maybe there is uh maybe or maybe there have been missionaries who already came out as gay, decided to go anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe the maybe the uh, companion to that individual just didn't feel comfortable for whatever reason. Sure, you know, yeah, which is interesting, I think. Um, and and not, I, I don't think that's the the right way to look at it right, at all. You sure. know, it's not like these people are they, they don't have any impulse control. Yeah, or, you know, being right. weird or anything like that. You know, right. Um, and that that's unfair to that totally. person as well. They're just trying to make it work. You yeah, know? I've heard a lot of both members active members of the church who are LGBTQ and those who have left, mm-hmm. they felt like the mission would change their sexuality. Like, mm-hmm. God, I'm going to be doing something that's so difficult. Like I, like, I want this to be the, the church teaches that it's a problem, right? They're moving slowly away from that in some ways, but you can look back in the history. Like the narrative was people choose to be gay or lesbian and stuff like that. Right. And so people, Feeling like that same sex attraction, whatever is this terrible thing in their life going on a mission will change that. And therefore like God will see that sacrifice and work a miracle in them and, and change them to be straight or not trans, you know, Mm -hmm. like that would, I've heard that multiple times from multiple people. So like, that's definitely going around. Yeah. And I think just to hit the nail on the head on that, like, you are who you are, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you don't need to change. Um, so I don't know. I, I would love to get someone like a guest. Yeah. Someone in the LGBTQ community who served a mission to get their perspective on this and whether they're in the church or out of the church, I do know some people, so maybe we can invite someone. But Sure. That, that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> some other difficult aspects do you have anything yeah difficult aspects i mean um i i think one of the hardest things for me personally was uh and and this was a big part of my faith transition personally was this idea that we have to um share our ideas uh about the gospel and it is the correct way and if if you're kind of close to it, well, let us add to it. If you don't want the extra that we have, well, why? <laughs> you know, why would right. you? Why would you never want extra? Why wouldn't you want whipped cream on yeah, your ice cream? Yeah, <laughs> right. Whatever. Insert metaphor. Yeah, right. That we're using on the streets. <laughs> um, and, and then those who are of a different faith, completely. Yeah. You know, like not and, even Christian, right? Yeah, like, and just <clears throat> like this. I don't know you know, just confrontational approach, uh, with the message, uh, like this is the truth, you know, that, that was hard. Uh, I, I feel like I eventually came to my own conclusion on my mission and that, that was the biggest thing for me going home from my mission. That was hard for me to shake was, um, I came to this conclusion that there's multiple truths and there's multiple ways to do it. Yeah. And, uh, mine might not be the only correct way. Sure. That at that time, that's the way I, I started to think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I think that that was one of the hardest things for me was I saw all these potential interactions with people that could have been just amazing. I could have just had these amazing interactions with people of just celebrating their faith or celebrating wherever they're at, yeah. you know? And if I could share a message that seemed to help them in some way and, you know, we're, you know, we study enough, we're good enough on, as missionaries to be able to come up with something that's universal, right. Yeah. That anybody could benefit from, but no, Answers we don't any question. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do that when we didn't do that. It was, it was always like, we had to bring up these truths that were unique to our faith that others didn't have and explain how that is the right way. Right. And that, that to me was one of the hardest things. A lot of pressure to yeah. be put on people investigating the church, right? Like yeah. missionaries are there to baptize people into yeah. the church. Right. And right. And I think they teach this to this day. Like if someone's not progressing to baptism, like yeah. kind of let go of them, which I think is good in a way. Like, yeah. so you're not continuing to like pressure them, but, um, Ultimately, yeah. if you're talking with, if you're not a member and the missionaries are talking to you, like that's their, that's their purpose is to, right. You know, eventually get you baptized. What one of, one of the most, you know, interesting experiences I had that really was a thinker for me mm-hmm. was there was this former investigator in Finland in one of our areas uh, that was really close to baptism, near baptism. And I, I was looking him up and I was like, what, what happened to him? You know? So we went out and found him and, uh, got a hold of him and he explained that, you know, he is a, he was a refugee from Afghanistan, I believe. And he explained that if he were to convert from Islam, then, and if he were to ever go home, he would be killed. Right. And, and to me, that was just like an eye opener where it was like, wow, there's somebody where it's obviously not for them. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> totally. You know? And it's, it's like, why should I, you know, and I just stopped there. I, I mean, I, I went through the right chains at the time and I was like going to my mission president. I was like, well, what do we do? And he was like, yeah, I don't, don't push it. Which, yeah. I, which I'm grateful that that's the way he responded. Um, because I could imagine there's other mission presidents <laughs> and other missionaries who would have been like, no, like this guy needs the yeah, church. Like, he this needs the church. Be- just tell him to have faith, uh-huh. you know, that kind of stuff and that could potentially, you know, we, we could have some bad things on our hands in yeah, that instance, totally. you know? But that, that was like the first experience where it was just like, there was no way you couldn't look at that and, and, you know, extrapolate that, that, that the Mormon church or the message we had is not for him. Yeah, totally. And if it's not for him and that's actually okay, that it's not for him, then maybe it's possible that it's not for everybody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so for me, that was, that was, that was personally the hardest one. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think a lot of missionaries struggle with companions, certain companions they don't mesh well with. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened to me once, maybe twice, you sure. know? Um, but you know, that wasn't really the end of the world. It was just learning to communicate with a different style, you know? Yeah. Um, other negatives. Um, I, I think leadership can be a potential negative here. Uh, and this kind of goes along with the shame that, people who leave early might experience where uh, if you're on your mission and you're not objectively doing well, meaning your numbers aren't high. Right. um, Which I think depends on your geographical area a lot and the culture that you're in. Yep. Um, But you know, you're looked down at on as like not having enough faith. Um, And uh, I I know that there was a lot of rhetoric uh, that was spread on my mission 
um, by my mission president in particular, but you know, subsequently everybody else. Um, and that, that rhetoric was, if you, you know, if you're not having this success, you're not praying always, Mm -hmm. you're you're not, you're not, you're losing connection with God and the spirit enough where you aren't having success. And so you need to be, you need to be doing better. You need to be doing better. Right. You're doing better, you know? And there are a lot of missionaries that I met when I was in a leadership role and traveling around to kind of um, reach out to these different missionaries that were struggling. That was the main source of their issues was them on their missions, <clears throat> feeling like they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough faith. They're not praying hard enough, you know, and uh, some of them went home for that. Yeah. Which to me is a tragedy that, Here's somebody who has a fantastic, unique personality that decided to come out here, (laughs) you know, survive all the odds and then only to be to then develop the feeling that they're not good enough Mm -hmm. uh, from their leaders in in the country. Uh, That that was a tragedy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Baptize is the goal because I was in leadership as well. I was assistant to the president actually even at that yeah. point and um our mission we were like our goal was like 750 people in a year and stuff like that you know which averaged out to like seven people per person per missionary like you're kind of expected to baptize seven people in one year mm-hmm. um at least right and just like goals and goal setting like great but kind of when that hinges on someone else's other choice and like the pressure that can be put on Like there's a reason yeah. that door to door salesmen like come to Utah to get more recruits. You know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> it's a thing here, right? you know, like that persistency and that persistency that yeah. those skills of like talking to people and stuff like oh, that. Oh man, dude. And there, there's, there's some people that just were not ready to be baptized. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I was on splits with, the, with one of the assistants at one point. And this was like the mission president's golden boy, you know, like sure. <laughs> the guy that he was like, kind of like, you be like him. All right. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, we went to this guy who this guy's house, who was, you know, apparently ready to be baptized. And we were just kind of like checking in on him and sharing a message. And he didn't know who Joseph Smith was. <laughs> and like he barely seemed to recognize the Book of Mormon. And stuff like that. He was just kind of like going along for the ride. So yeah. like, he was like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know? And this was somebody that the, the assistants were going to baptize and they did baptize this guy. And I think stuff like that happens when you have number pressure. Yeah. Uh, was it likely that he stayed active? I have no idea, man. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I know that the members in Finland, some, I should say, not all would complain because you know, the missionaries would just kind of like tear through their area. And, uh, especially if they were like one of those ambitious kinds, um, find these people who were, you know, converts and they were not ready or not really didn't have the, they didn't understand the level of commitment that was being asked of them. Yeah. And so, and then they were just kind of dumped in the ward and the missionaries would then get transferred. And then it's like, Hey, take care of them. That's nice. That's your, yeah. And that's your job, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that happened a lot. That happened in my mission a ton. Yeah. Yeah. And if it happened in both of our missions, it's probably, it's probably happening, happening everywhere. Just about everywhere yeah. else. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, 
crazy. I remember this was kind of a sentiment from some missionaries. And at the time I was like, ah, maybe like, I don't know. Um, some missionaries were expressing like we're baptizing people to condemnation. Like we're damning people basically because um, in the doctrine of the church, there's this kind of like you're held to a higher standard with the more knowledge you have. Right. Right. So someone in the church who has gone through the temple is held to a higher like standard than those who were just baptized in a sense. Right. Um, but then there's also like people who are baptized are held to a higher standard from those who never joined the church. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're lifting them to this high standard and then, and then dropping whoop, them in quicksand. Yep, pretty much. Um, I think in my mission, I, like after baptism within a year, if I were to guess, I don't know for sure, but 10 to 15% of people who were baptized a year later are active in the church. And that's even just looking at the people that I baptized. Oh yeah. I think that's average across the board. Yeah, probably. And yeah. so it's like, well, we just like, you know, they had all this quote unquote light and knowledge by getting baptized. Then their missionaries are leave the area. They no longer have that friendship with that person. They kind of fall off for one reason or another. And then it's like, well, God may judge them for that. You know, we don't know for sure. I guess God is God, but mm. that's kind of a tough thing to, that I was oh, yeah. dealing with and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah. And then <laughs> like <laughs> even having an abscess on the bottom of my foot and I wasn't able to even walk. I was in my apartment for a week. Yeah. Like not able to go out and stuff. That reminds me of the other side of heaven. You seen that movie? It's been a while, but yeah. <laughs> Where he like can't walk and then he's like puts his feet up to the sun the, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, rats the rats eat his feet. Yeah. Oh man. And he had all this faith and he walked. Right. That happened? Didn't happen, Mitch, did I, it? I have no? no idea if that Oh, sorry, you're meaning <laughs> yeah. for me. Okay. I thought you were talking about the actual guy. I'm like, because that's based on a true story. I'm like, I don't know. Like maybe. Um <laughs> no for me. Yeah, I I was out for a week. And even after a week, like I was limping because I was still like healing and stuff, but I went out and like walked around. Yeah. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a bike. I was walking on dirt and cobblestone. Yeah. You know, and like just this pressure, like, man, I need to be out there. I need to be doing something because it's like, no, like take care of yourself, you know, like, yeah. Help your foot heal. You'll get better. Those abscesses were all over my mission. Like I was unlucky wow. to get on the bottom of my foot, but people get them on their knees, on their necks. Wow. I have no idea how they showed up. Whoa. But like some missionaries like refused to go to the doctor because of it. Huh. Because they like either just didn't have trust in third world healthcare or whatever. They're like, what's the doctor going to do? I'm like give you some antibiotics maybe like that could help. <laughs> <laughs> but instead they're using a pocket knife and like cutting it open, like draining out the pus and stuff. And I'm just like, what is happening? You know, like, wow, that really paints a picture of the missionaries over there I think, yeah. in, in terms of like what they were going through one, but also like the logic that was fed to them, like what a good missionary would be doing, you know, perhaps, sure. you know, yeah, just muscle that, through it. Right. Or you'll yeah. have faith and you'll be healed. A yeah. Priest of blessing will yeah. fix it. Yeah. I don't recall any priest of blessing that fixed and those abscesses yeah. like that. Right. And like infections could potentially kill you. you oh, know? Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. Looking back, I'm like, that is crazy how that was going down. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's, I don't know. We're kind of getting close to getting close to that time. Out of time. I don't yeah. want to spend too much time on this, but okay. Well, I guess one thing I wanted to bring up too is just coming home from a mission, I think can also be incredibly hard 
due to the rhetoric and culture that was so prevalent on your mission. Yeah. Whether or not you came home early, like if you came home early, that's like just compounding how hard it is to come home. I think if you come home and you served a full time mission, you know, you went all the way to the end and then you come home. I think that's still very hard Yeah, because, you know, at least for me, I, I came home with like, I mean, just so there's just so much information and so much reinforcement of like, you're not good enough. Rely on the Lord, pray more, have more faith. And I come home and then it's like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And then it's like, just, yeah, it's great. You did your time, you know? Totally. Like, and then you're like, ah, sorry. I, I don't, I'm still in the funk here. You yeah. know, I still am thinking, even though I'm home, I'm still thinking that I'm not good enough and I got to pray always. And like, I got to be reading my scripture. Like, cause yeah, I was reading a scripture yeah. for an hour every day on my mission, like just by myself, you know? Right. And so like that I'm not doing that now. Yeah. Like there's something like I could be doing, I know my potential Yeah. and I'm not living up to it. So yeah, I totally relate to that. And kind of this like missions reinforce this, like the church is the truth mm-hmm. is the only truth anyone without it or who's left away from it, like walked away from it is not going to be happy. They're not going to prosper, et cetera. Like throwing right. the rhetoric. Right. So you come home and you're like, man, look at all these people just sinning around me. I remember kind of feeling like that feeling like, mm-hmm. like uh, first time I listened to like a explicit rap song after coming home, I was just like, Oh, like, what did I, what have I done? Yeah. Like (laughs) kind of stuff like that where it's like, I don't know. Is it the worst thing in the world? Like, no, like if language upsets you, sure. You can stay away or you're sensitive to that. Sure. Stay away from it. But I don't know. Just like this feeling and just like, I'm better than other people. Yeah. I don't know. I felt that personally. And then I just like, look, look at myself. I'm like, I'm not better than anybody. Like, right. Who cares? So I don't know. And yeah, missionaries have this weird, like, they were living in a completely different world. Yeah. You know, I never saw the news the, right. that major shooting in Las Vegas happened while I was on my mission. You know what I'm talking about? Like 50 people were killed. And I concert. think I was also on my mission. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, that I was in 2016, 2017. Okay. Never mind. So. I was home. Yeah. Um, huh. but down in Vegas, some dude posted up in a, yes. Okay. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember being at a member's house and seeing it on the TV. And I'm just like, what? Like 60 people have just died to a mass murderer like yeah and like that was it like uh-huh. that was the last i heard of the story i never looked into it more yeah didn't hear about it at all until i came home and i was like oh yeah that was a thing you know like and that was major news for close to where i was living you know um and then just other stuff i was just like completely out of the loop yeah just on like world events politics anything like that i yeah it was just the church it was just the gospel and to all of a sudden be thrown back into the real world. You're like, where am I? Like, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't know how to function. All of a sudden. Right. Right. So I don't know. It's odd, <laughs> it but is. yeah. Like we said, if someone's listening and contemplating going on a mission or not, like, yeah. And here's a pitch to, if somehow any leader in the church is listening, mm-hmm. I've, I've often advocated for a post mission MTC where you adjust yeah. Where you're kind of like, you're almost like in this quarantine period, sort of <laughs> you have a disease, spiritual quarantine or you're, you're, you're kind of like, okay, you like go to the cafeteria and, uh, just stay as long as you want. Just go around. Yeah. You're not going to have a companion, you know, sure. like, you know, kind of like this, like almost like therapy yeah. group therapy experience where it's like, you have to reassimilate. Yeah. 
into the real world, you know, I, I would like to see that happen yeah. <laughs> somehow. Cause yeah. I think a lot of people need it, you know, for sure. And to me, just like the fact that you even bring that up is like, man, there's something kind of sinister about missions in the sense of like, that's the, that's how much it is. Yeah. yeah like yeah. that's how deeply you get into it. Like, I don't know. Then that's just me with a little bit more critical perspective, but I don't know. It's if you're contemplating going on a mission, like think about it. Yeah. My, my advice, my unsolicited advice would be to someone contemplating going on a mission. Like think about it. What are the pros? What are the cons? What do you want out of life? Are you passionate about it? Do you feel like it's more pressure? Yeah. I think for me, like I definitely felt some pressure, but in the end I did want to go because I had gained a testimony of Jesus and I wanted to share that with people. Yeah. So, but then there's other people that I've met on my mission. It's like, well, I'm here. Like yeah. I was promised a car if I served a mission and came back. It's like, hmm. maybe, I mean, a car's pretty sweet. <laughs> if you <laughs> want to buck up for two years and get Or just work for two years. Right. And get a car. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's a good point. That's a good point. Good call. So I don't know. Just like really re- evaluate why you're going and make sure it's for you and not for someone else. Yeah. My, my unsolicited advice would be like, don't, be afraid to just do what you want to do on your mission. Be the kind of missionary that you want to be. Yeah. You know, like I think that's one of my biggest regrets is that I just didn't do what I thought was right. Yeah. Um, I was always second guessing myself, checking with the mission president, you know, just do what you think is what, what a missionary would do. Do do what Jesus would do, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're sent home for that, for some stupid reason, because <laughs> you're not shoving the message down people's throats or whatever, then I think that's worth it personally. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah we didn't even touch on like obedience. Right. Obedience mission, that's culture. a huge thing. Massive. And yeah. you were seen as like, I kid you not. I heard the words that people were termed apostates. Uh-huh. for listening to non-church music. Yeah. You know, like stuff as simple as that. And there's this huge obedience culture. And it's like, if you're not an obedient missionary, you're not a successful missionary. Yeah. You are, yeah. So, and I've, I've heard stories of people who like, and I, I definitely think a lot of the obedience things are like probably good ideas, right? Like, you know, not going out and doing really weird random stuff, sure. but, but like <laughs> keeping the commandments in general is good. But like, you know, for example, like, um, a, a relative of mine, um, when he was on his mission, you know, like, I, I don't know if there was a rule at the time or not, whether or not like you could go into pubs and things like that. But so he went to, uh, he was on a mission in the UK and he would just go into pubs and just like sit there and chill and just like talk to people, sure. you know? And he had like a lot of baptisms. <laughs> that was what he did. You know, he yeah. didn't, he didn't like, I mean, door to door. Right. I think that's definitely discouraged more than it was. And it's still done for sure. Um, but like the, you know, pubs is like a central cultural thing mm-hmm. in the UK and, you know, being able to just almost assimilate to that culture and just, you know, do, do it the way that somebody over there would do. Right. Sure. That that would be very beneficial, I think. Yeah. In, in my case, uh, in Finland, 
you know, saunas and saunaing for missionaries, um, if saunaing is a word, uh, <laughs> it was banned uh, for whatever reason. We couldn't we couldn't use saunas, uh, and all the fin all the fins all the members would say, "That's the key to the fins' hearts. You need to go sauna and talk to people in the sauna." You hmm. know, and like uh, obviously, I never could do that because it was against the rules. Right. Later on, a Finnish mission president came uh, into leadership and then undid that rule, which is awesome. Yeah, that's cool, but. You know, in my mission, it probably would have been just like hanging out in saunas and talking to people. Yeah. It probably would have been the way to have a conversation, you know, not yeah. stopping them on the street, you know. Um, anyway, that's a random digression, uh, but kind of just yeah. reiteration of my point. Anybody who's maybe thinking about going on a mission, I wouldn't be afraid to make it your own. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. And it's not. Yeah, because it can be really high stress, high demand you've got these expectations and stuff like you're you, you know, you don't need to conform. I don't know. Yeah. There's movies and stuff about conformity and all kinds of stuff. Right. Like that. We don't have to go into it, but <laughs> just our take. Remember, we're just two guys just spitting into the mic here. So, yep. Uh, if you want to send us an email with any uh, feedback, questions, concerns, whatever, remember to send it to ldsbridgebuilders at gmail.com. Anything else you want to say before we turn? No. All right. Thanks Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you, Garrett. Um, Once again, we'll try to get back to our once every other week kind of schedule, but be patient with us. We've got some big things going on in life right now, so (laughs) if it's a little (laughs) late, we apologize for that. But thanks for being here, guys. 